What's up competitors? If you want to build a rock star career that stands out, gets you promoted, moves you into your dream job, this episode's for you. Every day is a competition against your pride, comfort zone, fear, complacency, snooze alarms, bad habits, bad relationships, and more. This podcast is for the ambitious, willing to compete every day to make an impact in their career, health, relationships, and life. Each week, Compete Every Day founder Jake Thompson interviews leaders in business, fitness, psychology, and sports to explore what championship performers can teach us about making winning changes in life. In life. By listening today, you're deciding to start competing for your best life. What's up, competitors? Can you believe that we are already almost through January of the new year? Man, 2019 is flying by. I'm sitting here in my office today recording this, having a cup of coffee. One of my boxers, Sugar Smacks, is hanging out here on the ground snoring. She's definitely not as excited as I am about having you here, but I'm excited for the both of us. If this is your first episode, my name's Jake Thompson. I'm the founder and chief encouragement officer at Compete Every Day, and I'll be your host each and every week. You might have heard me on a couple of past episodes, but if you love today's show, we've got over 100 episodes in our library that you can search through, download, binge, listen to, but know that every single one of them was created and designed to help you win the day's battle. We believe that every day is a competition. You know that every day is a competition. You have things trying to hold you down, trying to bring you back, whether that's your past failures, whether that's outside noise and distractions, maybe it's your ego, maybe it's bad habits, bad relationships, things that you've let fester. There are things out there trying to hold you down. We are all about seeing you win. We're all about seeing you overcome them, inspire other people, and keep competing. And so that's why we have this show. That's why we've created all the resources. We have a library full of articles, resources, shows at blog.competeeveryday.com. And if you want to get in touch with the show, if you have an idea, if there's something you're struggling with that you're like, man, I wish you guys would interview someone on this, or I wish you would dive into this topic, let me know. Shoot me a note to podcast at competeeveryday.com, and we can start looking at topics artists, experts, people that we can bring in on this subject so that you can be the best competitor you were created to be. This week's show, we actually have an old guest from our season one of the episode, Julian Placino. He's the head recruiter at Bottle Rocket Studios, one of the largest, most successful app development companies actually based here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Julian additionally has the Pathways to Success podcast where he's interviewed hundreds of successful people about their journey, about what's made them successful, how they achieve that success. Julian and I first connected back in episode seven of the podcast. So if you want to learn more about his specific journey, why he created the show, how he built it up, dive back into that episode. It's a ton of great stories and resources that Julian's able to provide on what he's learned from his podcast. Today's episode, though, is about how do you become a better competitor in your career? Julian's career has been as a recruiter, and so he's constantly looking at resumes, at job applicants, seeing people switch industries. I talked to Julian about what makes for a great candidate. What are things that we can do in our professional career to stand out, 
Maybe we're in the company we love, but we haven't gotten that promotion. We haven't been able to elevate up. What are some things we can do to continue to stand out? And perhaps we're in a position in our 20s, 30s, 40s, or even 50s where the path we've gone down is not quite what we had expected. Our heart, our passions lie elsewhere. We have skills that we can do something else, but the idea of switching industries scares the hell out of us. We would have to start back over and, and we don't really know if we can start back over or where to go. Julian and I did talk about that and the candidates that he's seen come from other industries. They have people that have joined their team that were accountants for decades before jumping over. How did they do that? What did they do to stand out and set themselves apart? I want you to be a better competitor in your career, regardless of whether you want to be an entrepreneur, an employee, an owner, a manager, a director, whatever that is, where your passions lie as a career, this episode has some information to help you do just that. Now, let's get rolling with the show and let's welcome in Julian Placino. Julian, my man, welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I think you are our first repeat guest. So oh, wow. uh, yeah, the honor is all yours and <laughs> kicking off 2019. Uh, for anyone that has not listened to you yet in episode seven of the podcast, give everybody just a quick, quick overview of who you are uh, and what you do right now. Yeah, so my name is Julian Placino. I'm a senior recruiting and staffing professional, the recruiting lead for Bottle Rocket Studios and the creator of the Pathways to Success podcast where I interview various leaders about their journeys to success. And on nights and weekends, he dons a cape and saves people and cats stuck in trees all over DFW. The guy does so much. Julian, okay, so let's talk a little bit uh, briefly about your background. So you work obviously there at Bottle Rocket Studios and you launched the Pathways to Success podcast. Tell us why you launched that podcast. How many episodes in are you now and, and what's been some of the biggest takeaways you've learned about what it means to be successful and how to find success. Yeah. So as far as why the podcast started, so I personally been very entrepreneurial for the past decade and really starting businesses and endeavors really for financial purposes, uh, network marketing, internet business and real estate. And they were all great experiences, but I never really loved any of them. But once a year here at Bottle Rocket, we do these things called hackathons, where for a period of 24 hours, we can build anything we want. And here I'm surrounded by some of the market's greatest engineers and also creatives. And I was always really intimidated by rocket science. But something I always really wanted to do, I loved doing, was having interesting conversations with interesting people. So I figured why not capture these conversations and share them with other people. So my rocket science project for 2016 was the Pathways to Success podcast. So it's been live now for about two, two and a half years. I produced 125 episodes and I've interviewed company founders, CEOs, New York Times bestselling authors, TEDx speakers, just a litany of amazing people. That's awesome. And so obviously interviewing all these different people, everyone's got probably a different definition of what they define success as mm -hmm. in their own life. What have been some of the more interesting insights you've learned with these interviews that maybe caught you off guard or surprised you uh, with how people viewed success? So for me personally, I've always been fascinated with how people, how successful people become successful. And what's re really interesting are the insights that I have, because as a recruiting and staffing professional, I've literally hired hundreds of people. So I look at 
what made the job seeker successful and what made the entrepreneur entrepreneur successful and kind of combining those things. The, the single most apparent commonality is this idea of self-awareness. It's like they knew clearly who they were, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses and what they wanted to do. So the single thing that I've seen as a commonality across the spectrum is clarity about who they are and what they want to do. I love that. I love that. So obviously, as we talked prior to coming online, season three of the Compete podcast is about diving in and giving listeners really more takeaways that they can apply in this case to start competing in their career. Mm -hmm. You being a recruiter, like you just mentioned, you've seen both sides of this. Uh, So first, I would love to get an idea of when you're looking at potential prospects or looking for potential prospects for an opportunity, what are some of the things, commonality, regardless of what the position is, that you're looking for in individuals that our listeners can be aware of and start to really focus in on for themselves if they ever decide to move throughout their career? Yeah, so I think one of the cardinal rules for hiring, in my case, if I'm looking to fill an open job, is what are the needs of the business and how are the results that the candidate created relevant to the needs of the business? Really, it comes down to results or the name of the game. What is the track record? What have you done? What results have you created? And how is that relevant to my pain point? One of the things that I say to job seekers is, the sooner you stop seeing yourself as a job seeker and more of a problem solver, the better off you're going to be. You will for sure guarantee differentiate yourself if you truly put yourself in that mindset. Do you, what would you say then, is it, is it that right there is the biggest mistake you see in job seekers of uh, seeing themselves as someone looking for a job versus how can I add value? How can I solve this problem for you? Or is there another thing that people need to be aware that you see as a common, common mistake in, in the industry or coming across your desk? Yeah, I think, you know, the clarity point really exist here as well. Because something that I do also is I hire a lot of people from the entry-level world, people who graduated from college. And honestly, that's like the most brutal market that exists because it's entry-level. There's not a lot of points of differentiation. And a lot of people who come out of college don't necessarily know what they want to do either. And that is a really tough thing to experience. So as soon as you can, get a sense of what you like to do, where you think you can add value, getting part-time jobs and internships. That's the best way to kind of prepare yourself to enter into the workforce coming from the university system, right? So I think one of the biggest mistakes still is clarity. Like what is it that you want to do and why are you good at doing that? And you're very insightful about clarity because you know you have a clear sense of what you're trying to build and develop not only in your current role at Bottle Rocket, but with your podcast and everything that's branching off of that. What are some ways that you help people or or advise people to find that clarity in terms of what they want to do long-term or where they can add the most value now? You know what, Jake, another insight that I have, man, having hired hundreds of people, and this is kind of a sad thing that I know, is having placed hundreds of people, dude, more than half of the people out there working hate their jobs, man. They really do it as a nine to five is a mechanism to pay bills. And that's really sad because there's so many talented people out there. Right. So for me, I'm a really big believer in really doing what you love, man. It's like of all the entrepreneurial ventures that I started, it's the podcast, which I had zero intent to monetize. That has completely transformed my life. Right. And that's why I'm a believer in that because whenever you pursue something that you love and find meaning in, it has a way of like drawing out the best version of yourself. 
And I've seen that as a commonality of top performers, whether they're employed by a company or an entrepreneur. I really believe that. I love that. I love that. So I want to ask you, because you mentioned dealing with a lot of entry-level employees, kids fresh out of college, it's a brutal market. A lot of our listeners are in their late, mid to late 20s, early 30s, some even in their 40s and 50s. What if you're at a later stage in your career and you decide to make a shift? And it's not necessarily an entrepreneurial shift, but you want to go from one industry and role that you've spent 10 years in into a new industry and role. And obviously, you're not in a position where you can immediately just jump into an unpaid or, or minimum wage internship at that point. Sure. But have you seen that in your experience of someone shifting industries completely, obviously having to go back a few steps, and how they were able to successfully navigate finding an opportunity or seizing that job in a new market, new role, new industry, uh, and how they were able to slowly grow in it similar to what they'd done in the past. Because like you said, too many people hate their jobs right now and mm -hmm. they're trying to find something to do that they love. Yeah, no, I think, I think one of the cool things that I have with my insights as well is seeing these amazing transition stories. So I know it, it's possible. So at Bottle Rocket, we have some of the best engineers in the market, right? So for example, um, we had one guy, he was an accountant. He was an accountant. He, that, that's what he did. Like when I first saw his resume, I was like, this guy is not an engineer, right? Specialized, very specialized role. Very specialized, right? But he was applying to be a software engineer. But there's more to that story. He was side hustling in the evening. He was building apps and putting them on the app store while he was doing his full-time job. So the side hustle doesn't necessarily have to be to start a business. It can be about developing a craft. So whatever it is that you want to do, find a way to start doing it small. And also there's a great book called Show Your Work by Austin Kleon. And that's what this guy did. He showed the results. It's one thing to say that you can write code. It's another thing to be able to point to the apps of the app store that you launched. Results are the name of the game. How do you tangibilize the fruits of your labor and make the case that you're qualified for this position that you're talking about? I love that. I love that. Results are the name of the game. And obviously it was something he was doing in his spare time while he was still working as an accountant until he had enough social proof uh, out in the app store, out in the marketplace where he could point and say, Hey, listen, I'm ready to switch industries. Here's what I've done on that same note, because one of the things people commonly use as an excuse is I don't have the time. I don't know how I have a kid. I have a wife. I have a full-time job. I don't have the time to do nights and weekends and, and all this other stuff. But that's simply just an excuse. You obviously started your podcast. Uh, when we recorded, it's on a Saturday at your offices. Uh, you were spending time up there working on a day that most people are out playing. When you launched your side hustle, I'm curious how you managed your time and how you were intentional about what time was spent where so that your relationships weren't withering and dying as well as your nine to five job wasn't suffering while you were still trying to grow something new. I'm very maniacal about planning and execution. Once something happens on the calendar, it happens on the calendar and I protect that time. I love that. Uh, have you always been that way? Not always. Not until I really got my act together and I started figuring out what it is that I want to do. Because you're right. The thing is that we are always busy. And here's the thing about me. So I work 60 hours a week at Bottle Rocket. I've got the podcast. I'm building a training and development company. Um, I do the Kim Dawson thing so I can be called up for an audition at any given time. There's so many things that I have going on. But the only way I'm able to balance all those things is if I prioritize the most important thing. And there's a great book called The One Thing by uh, Gary Keller, right? Yep. And that's how I organize my day. It's one of the most important things I can knock out and everything else kind of seems to fall into place. Because if something is that important to you, 
You don't have to find time. You will create it. You will make a way to do it. That's exactly right. Yeah, the one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan uh, paired with essentialism by Greg McCowan were, were game changers for me in terms of productivity and, and prioritizing yeah. my action list. What does your kind of day-to-day look like? What do, you, do you have a daily morning process or evening the night before process to where you're plotting out that day in a way that's been successful for you? So, uh, so I think having been me for, for X number of months, it's like there's sort of a rhythm that happens throughout the week, right? So, so this plan that I talk about is time blocked and I use like Outlook and uh, Trello is actually my, my, my activity management uh, task list, right? And sometimes the plan for the day sort of gets orchestrated weeks before just depending on what's being scheduled, right? So you ask me a personal question, I'm gonna answer it personally and honestly. So every morning I do have a routine. I wake up at about 4, 4.30, and I, I pray, I meditate, I exercise, and then I spend the rest of the day relentlessly executing my plan. That's exactly what I do. I love that. Okay, so if you're up that early, what time do you go to sleep? Honestly, man, like 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Dude, that's okay. Hey, I was about to wonder if you were going to say like 10.30 or 11. I was yeah. going to wonder, one, how, <laughs> how do you stay so energized throughout the day? But uh, yeah. it's funny the way – the world has shifted so much for us, especially in the last, I want to say 12 months, 24 months, in that when we 10, 15 years ago, you would stay up to watch certain shows. If there was a show you were committed to, if you were a Walking Dead fan when it first started or, you know, Game of Thrones, and that was one of the things you were passionate about, you would have a creative escape. You would have to stay up to watch it on that one slot. Where now, the way everything is on demand, those Thursday night viewing parties, Sunday night viewing parties are more of just entertainment instead of a necessity if that's your type of show. So going to bed at 8.30, so you're up at 4.30, doesn't dictate whether you're able to an hour a week, 30 minutes a week, carve out time to watch your favorite show because you can pull it up just directly on your phone, on your laptop, whatever the case may be. Music is on demand. I mean, everything has changed in that world that we can't use those certain excuses anymore of, well, I have to stay up to watch like this show I really want to watch. You don't like you go to bed if you're up and committed to getting up early and and carving out that time for an hour, two hours at night to work on a side hustle. You may miss the show that night. That's okay. You can still watch it later on your DVR phone or whatever. Uh, So yeah, thank you for being transparent about that because I know that's a lot of what I hear. Um, and a lot of it is, as I uh, explained earlier, it's just an excuse. We all have the same 24 hours. Some of us are just better about protecting it and utilizing it than others are. Um, so you use Trello, you use Outlook. Uh, do you have it? Do you keep any kind of physical notebook calendar where you're looking through and viewers, everything digital so that it syncs across the board? Yeah, no. So I, I write like my goals, all of my goals are written down. Right. As far as like the day-to-day task management, I use digital tools. But as far as my actual goals, for me, something awesome happens when I handwrite my goals. Right. That's the only thing that I really keep analog nowadays. That's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing when you put pen to paper, what it does versus typing something. Uh, And I very much learned that because I used to type certain things 
goals, big bucket list pictures, things like that, and started writing them. And it was just a very different ball game at that point once I started writing it. And so now I find myself when I go to conferences and events, I will actually handwrite my notes and then digitally type them in later. So I'm getting a little bit of a regurgitation when I'm typing back back in. And so I'm, I'm learning a little bit more at that point, reinforcing it, but physically writing certain things down just seemed to imprint them better on me, um, as well. So I I love hearing that you do that and and would definitely challenge people uh, to do that. Let me ask you, obviously in your role, what made you want to get into recruiting? Wow. So I've been in the industry now for the past 11 years. And honestly, I didn't even know recruiting was a discipline. I, my first recruiting job was at a company called Robert Half, and I met them actually at a job fair. But the thing was, my story is when I graduated from college back in 2005, I had the worst time trying to find a job. It actually took me eight months and 37 rejections in a row. And, and looking back, I realized what my problem was. For me, I just wanted to get a degree and then go be in corporate America. I didn't have clarity. I was trying to be everything to everyone. What I know now as a fact, and especially through the light of my experience, the market, it does not seek generalization. It seeks specialization. And that's what I didn't have, right? So I went from this whole odyssey of getting rejected 37 times, not knowing who I was, struggling to find a job, to now building a career out of helping others find jobs. I love that. What do you think, obviously, your tenacity uh, and learning to find that clarity was a huge piece in you finding that position and succeeding in that position. What are some other skills that you feel you have that have made you successful as a recruiter that perhaps someone listening that's struggling with their current role, mm-hmm. it's not matching up with where their skill sets is. Perhaps here's some of your strengths and skill sets and thinks that's a lot of what I do well too. Maybe that's a career industry I should consider. So what are the things that I've learned that I do well that kind of yeah. What, what, what has made you a successful recruiter in your opinion? Like what are your characteristics or traits that you feel help set yourself apart? Because obviously you take initiative, which I, I've seen because you've created all of these things on the side. Mm-hmm. And as you just shared in terms of being rejected job after job after job, you're, you've got some grit to you. Yeah. I, I think one thing people who know me and perhaps have seen me speak before would, would say that I'm a, I'm a strong communicator, right? So I've intentionally worked on developing that ability through the podcast and also very much in public settings. Well, what that did is it made me realize that I was a content creator, always had things to say. Whenever I, whenever I was talking about something that I cared about, I fully understood and was passionate about, whenever I spoke, it was very persuasive and influential, right? So I started just capturing these ideas and putting them on camera, and that's what really exploded my LinkedIn profile. So what the biggest thing I've gotten from being a content creator was developing a personal brand it sort of becomes this way for people to get to know you without them ever meeting you. That has helped me quite a bit when it comes to recruiting because I now have this social footprint that people can see. I liken it to sort of active and passive income, right? So active income is whenever you go to a job and you get paid for the time that you spent. Like your your social footprint, your personal brand, it works for you when you're not even in the room. So your personal brand to me is real equity that's passive. And and obviously in your opinion, what, how does someone start to create their personal brand? Obviously, I believe they're creating it whether they realize it or not. It's who they are. It's what they say. It's what they post. What advice do you have for, because I know you sit on a lot of panels, you speak on this on other podcasts about starting and building your own personal brand or, or building it and developing it in the way you want. 
what are some of the top takeaways you usually have for people that are really starting to become intentional about their personal brand on how they should do it? Yeah. So I think first off, one thing that I, what I teach in my classes is that like, don't even think about social media. Your personal brand is in every conversation. It's in every handshake. It's every meeting. It all starts with everything that's around you. The reason why it was easy for me to start to build this online pod, this, this podcast and get people on the guests was because I already built this great network of people I had relationships with. So that's the first thing. Your personal brand is you. It is what you're known for. It's how you manage your relationships. It's a day-to-day offline low five. Now, once you're ready to start putting stuff in content online, dude, talk about, talk about your interests. You know what I mean? Talk about something that you're really passionate about. Here is something that I learned as being a content creator. You start, you start to attract the audience for which you solve problems for through content. So on LinkedIn, I have a very large recruiting and staffing following because I create content for that particular industry. That seems to happen across the board, no matter what discipline you have. I love that. And that is incredibly, incredibly accurate that you attract those like-minded individuals as you're helping solve problems, as you're adding value to their life. So on this last note, one of the things that you've hit on a few times that is incredibly valuable for anybody listening, whether they love their job, whether they're perhaps seeking a new one or a new opportunity is networking. You're an incredible Uh networker. You've built a massive audience and network here in DFW and beyond. What do you see as a successful ways for people to network? Uh, Because obviously going to a local meetup and throwing out business cards is not an effective nor a positive experience for the giver or receiver of that card. What do you do to network? How do you encourage people to be better networkers? Yeah, man, I, I talk about this a lot, actually. And there's a lot of truth to the cliche that your net worth is equal to your network. And that's absolutely true. The one, the biggest, you know, honestly, if I was to tell someone to start a podcast, an interview show, I would say, don't do it for the downloads. Do it for the relationships that you will build. Dude, my friends are awesome now. I'm here with you, Jake Thompson, founder of Compete, uh, you know, public speaker of extraordinaire. How Dude, you ever- connected me to Baylor. I mean, we've had a ton <laughs> of mutual connections because of the podcast and relationship. And then check that out. So, so Baylor actually helped me get my first paid speech and then also get my first sponsor, right? It's, 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 it's building relationships with great people. Now you ask me, what can you do sort of tactically or strategically? A lot of people will go to networking events and that's fine. But if you really want to get the most out of it, find a way to support that group, whether volunteer for it, help set it up, help promote it, speak at it, support the infrastructure. That's how you start gaining relationships. So the real movers and shakers are the people who are putting on that group, right? That's right. Find a way not just to, to attend, but to serve that group somehow. I love that. I love that. Come in from a servant mindset and attitude. Man, Julia, this has been so full of great information for everyone listening on how they can better compete for their career. Tell us how we can get connected with you. Obviously, your podcast, you've been on the Compete Podcast, episode seven for everybody to flash back and check out. But this man has a great podcast and some incredible interviews. So where can we find it? Where can we connect with you? So I'm lucky in the sense that I'm the only Julian Placino that has ever existed. So you could search my name, Julian Placino, P- uh, Placino is P-L-A-C-I-N-O, on any social channel and you can find me. Uh, my main website is my personal website at julianplacino.com. I love it. Julian, man, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jake. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. Visit CompeteEverydayPodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the show and find resources to help compete for your best life.